Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. It is a Wednesday. That means it's time for us to talk with our guy, Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights at 9 p.m. Freddie, how are you? I'm good, brother. How's the hoop game going? Uh, hoop game is good. I had 23 the other night. Uh, okay. But we beat another team that was two and zero, uh, and you know, so that, that was a good team and a, and a, and a good, uh, you know, good overall performance. I thought. Okay, that that's good. That means you're on the winning streak, which is something the Patriots need. So let's go there. Yeah, Patriots. <laughs> I don't think are going to get it because it looks like Brian Hoyer is going to play for a while, or is going to be playing here for a while. So I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm pretty annoyed at Bill Belichick today. Like, the whole world knows that Mac is hurt. The whole world knows that Mac is not going to play. Rappaport's got it. Schefter's got it. Everybody's got it. Why is he out there being coy, saying, oh, we'll take it day by day, and we'll see what he can do? Like, come on, man. The jig is up. Have you not paid attention to Bill Belichick for the past 20 years, how he operates when it comes to anything? He's going to maintain that control, Brady, no matter what is out there, no matter what the truth is. And... It's something that's always worked for him. I don't know how that got started, where that got started, but that's been part of his DNA as a football coach. And I wonder after what happened with the Cleveland Browns and how he was definitely more accessible and more transparent. And it didn't end well where if he said to himself, if I get another opportunity, I'm really going to control everything. That includes the media. That includes the organization. That includes even the ownership at times when it comes to Robert Kraft. So we should not be surprised that Bill Belichick is not letting any information out there, no matter what's been said and what we know about the inavailability when it comes to Mac Jones. Well, let's just say that. Let's just say Mac Jones is forty percent. I don't even know if he. I don't know if he's good enough to be forty percent. If you're Mac Jones, do you even want to play at that limited capacity? Oh God, no! Because Bill Parcells, another former Patriots coach, said it best: "You can play hurt in the NFL, but you can't play injured." And there's absolutely no doubt that Mac Jones is an injured quarterback. And Bill Belichick can try to gild the lily all he wants to, Brady, but high ankle sprains, those are a four- to six-week injury, and sometimes they can be a six- to eight-week injury. So whatever Bill Belichick is trying to portray out there is part and parcel, the hoodie being the hoodie. But if I'm Mac Jones, you can't go out there as a compromised quarterback in modern football. You can even do that in ancient football, and guys are doing that. With the speed of the game and the element of the game that's going to be there, and you got a compromised quarterback, unless you plan on having Mac Jones in, in like a diabolical chamber where nobody can get around his force field, there's no way he should be out there until he's fully 100% healthy. Let's just assume that it's four weeks, right? It might be more, as you said, but let's just assume it's four weeks. Can the Patriots tread water with Brian Hoyer for four weeks, or is Mac going to come back to a 1-6 team? Maybe a 1-6 team. I think at best maybe a 2-5 and five team because when you have an offense that was, th- that was starting to finally turn the corner because they're able to score some points, Although I wonder, Brady, how much of that is the Ravens' defense not being what we thought it was going to be more than the Patriots' offense. I believe both of those things can be true. But now you got a Brian Horry where you can run some of the same things that you can run with Mac Jones, but he's not Mac Jones. Brian Horry's been a career backup that you may be able to get away with that for a game or two, but people have enough film on Brian Hoyer, and any time that happens, that has never ended well for him or his football team. So in the NFL, where each and every week is a dogfight, you can blow out a team one week and be in a street fight the next week. With the Patriots' offense that's now even more compromised without their starting quarterback, and their defense has played a lot of snaps and given up a lot of big plays, uh, this could be a very, very daunting season potentially for the Patriots, depending what Brian Hoyt is able to do having to play above his position. You know, you've done a lot of filling in over the last couple of months on the uh, 
Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max show, right, on ESPN. You've, you've been hanging out with those guys a lot. What is up with Keyshawn today? Because today Keyshawn said that the Patriots are just as good, if not better, with Brian Hoyer than Mac Jones. That that Tell me that you can't defend your, uh, your compadre there. Well, I'm not defending anything. He's a grown man. He can say what he wants, but I know the truth as far as I'm concerned. You can't tell me that they can be the same football team. The only way they're going to be the same football team or better a little bit of Brian Hoyer if it's the running game can get started. And anybody that's going to play the page is going to say, we're not going to let the running game help out the quarterback. Hey, Brian Hoyer, you may make a play or two, but at a certain point you're going to give it back. you got to take the same philosophy with Brian Hoyer that the New Orleans Saints had when the Carolina Panthers played, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played against the Saints, where their linebacker, Devin White, said, oh, we knew James was going to give it back. At a certain point, just wait him out. He's going to do that because they had enough film on him, and they played with that guy. It's the same principle with Brian Hoyer. You take away the running game. You force him to try to beat you through the air. He won't be able to get the ball downfield to Kendrick Bourne and everybody else. And then you wait until he makes that mistake because just like death and taxes, those things are going to happen with Brian Hoyer throwing the ball a little bit more than he's supposed to for this Patriots offense. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, weeknights, 9 p.m. Packers right now, they haven't looked great. That's who the Patriots are playing on Sunday, but the Packers are 2-1. and one. Uh, What do you see from them as we start to uh, think about that, that side of the coin for Sunday? They're going to keep getting better because they got a bunch of filthy McNasties on defense that can get after the quarterback, and the secondary has been better than advertised, being able to plaster the wide receivers. But the one thing that has really been able to shine for the Green Bay Packers, Brady, is the fact that that running game, you got a two-fisted monster with Jones and Dillon. you got a Mr. Inside and Mr. Outside combination. And we saw that the Green Bay Packers had to worry about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take away their running game. They were still able to make plays. And it's really hard to make plays in any kind of game against that Buccaneers defense. But they're able to run the ball just enough to make sure it's not second and third and long to Aaron Rodgers. And when he had to make some throws, he was able to do that. Those are the kind of slugfests that Green Bay thought they were going to have to win and they were able to. But now you're going against a Patriots team that is a wounded football team that you can make plays on that offense. And now all of a sudden those wide receivers that were question marks after week one versus Minnesota, there may be a lot better answers having to get the ball down the field and take a lot of pressure off that running game and vice versa. Freddie, organizationally, Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, who's in the worst shape right now? Right now, the Patriots, because the Celtics still have a lot of talent. And I know they got to deal with the cloud of Ime Odoka over this basketball team. But once we get into regular season play, and they're able to have a good start to the regular season, that's going to fade into the background until his suspension is over when it comes to next year. And I know the Red Sox have a terrible year, but their farm system is a lot better now than it was before. Two years ago, they had the worst farm system in terms of ratings, according to Baseball America. Now they have their 11th best farm system. So they're building and they tore everything down. They're going to get rid of those contracts. So in the future, you better get the Red Sox in 2022 because for the next four to five years, they may be the kings of the AL East. I look at this Patriots team, and it seems, it seems to me, Brady, they're trying to win the way they're used to winning. But in modern football, you've got to have dudes. Now, you can't just have a dude at quarterback and have piecemeal pieces around him. You've got to have guys that can top off a defense. you got to have a tight end that can threaten the middle of the field. you got to have a running back that can break a big gain at any given time, and you got to have a talented offensive line. They don't have a check mark next to any of those. they got decent parts, but you got to have dude parts because any team that's contending for a championship, they have a guy. Josh Allen with Buffalo, Lamar Jackson with Baltimore Ravens, Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Wilder with the Miami Dolphins. Each and every team that believes they can win in the National Football League, especially in the loaded AFC, they have a dude or dudes that can tilt the field. 
And right now, the Pages don't have any of those guys on both sides of the football. You know, Freddie, let's go to the Celtics, who are at uh, training camp now. First practice was yesterday. Um, the players all stepped up to the podium at media day and said that they were really in the dark about what happened with the Ime Udoka situation. And, I, and I'm not criticizing. I'm genuinely about to ask a question here. I, I think I get legally why the Celtics organization couldn't tell the players everything. But my question is, if you are running a thorough investigation like the Celtics say they did, should the players have been questioned? Like, maybe they're not told everything, but wouldn't they pick up some breadcrumbs if they were questioned? Should they have been questioned about their coach and his conduct, or does it not involve them at all? It doesn't involve them at all because Ime Doka decided to take part in this, and he didn't involve any of the players. And whatever he was doing in the darkness, I guarantee you there are plenty of people in that organization, whether they were players or assistant coaches or even management, did not know because – this blind side of everybody. We didn't hear any inkling, and ever since it came to life, Brady, we haven't heard any anonymous sources saying, well, we knew what was going on, or we had an inkling what was going on. We haven't heard any of that, because if somebody knew something, they would have said something either long before or right after everything had come out. And we haven't heard anything about that regarding anybody in that Celtics organization. And I think you get into personal business with somebody, unless a player's family member or that player's directly involved, you can't question players about something that has nothing to do with them. And even if they were hiding what Ime Doka was doing, he still did it. He still involved himself in something. I don't think you can involve somebody else unless it becomes a court of criminal case. Then we're talking about something different. We're not talking about that now, Ime Doka. We're talking about somebody that, according to the Celtics, had repeated violations when it comes to the team's policy and the team's overall basketball character on and off the basketball court. To involve anybody else in what is a character flaw and a character ignition by Emil Doka, I don't think that would have been the right line of question, and you can't question the players as far as I'm concerned with that. How, what do you think of Joe Mazzulla's task in front of him, and, and how much team leadership are the Celtics going to need? Because you know this could be a tough situation for a first-year head coach, 34 years old, who was coaching D2 hoops four years ago. If he's anything like the play I saw at West Virginia, then the Boston Celtics are going to be fine because go back and look at how he played at West Virginia. He wasn't the best player. He wasn't a, he wasn't a physically gifted player, but it was a hard 40 minutes because he prepared, he understood his opponent, he understood his limitations, and he understood his strengths. He was a big factor with the culture of West Virginia when Bob Huggins first got there. So I think that's the least of my concern because he's involved in the system. He knows how to coach players, and I believe he knows how to get the most out of players. People look at the 34 years of age and say, okay, first NBA time. But the same thing was said about Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. And he did quite well winning an NBA championship when they got Kawhi Leonard. This Celtics team, in my opinion, is more talented than that Toronto Raptors team. Joe Mazzulla is going to be a lot better than people are going to give him credit for. And I get it, Brady. It's the unknown. You don't know what somebody's going to do until they actually put in a position where they have to rise or, or they're going to fall. But if he's anything like he was as a player in college at West Virginia, then this Celtics team may be able to manage this a lot better without Emil Doka on the sidelines. And who knows Emil Doka is ever going to coach again for the Boston Celtics. Here's your here's your fun fact. Joe Mazzulla, interim Celtics head coach, his brother Justin Mazzulla, just on the team that helped UVM get to the NCAA tournament another time this past year, a couple-year starter for UVM after transferring in from uh, George Washington. So he's graduated mm -hmm. now, but there's your UVM connection to Joe Mazzulla. Well, anytime you have a UVM connection, only good's going to come out of that because we've seen what that basketball program has been able to do for more than a minute. So if it's anything like that with that culture they built at UVM, then believe me, a guy like Joe Mazzulla understands the NBA game pretty well and has a great and bright sense of mind when it comes to that, he's going to be fine when it's all said and done, in my opinion.
Freddie Coleman. We appreciate you as always, Freddie. Look forward to listening tonight at 9. Keep letting it fly and knocking them down, my friend. I'll talk to you in seven days, Brady. Will do, Freddie. Thank you. Okay, sounds good, bro.